Well, good morning. <laughs> you know, uh, we have been going through this series, and if you're joining us online, welcome. Uh, we have been going through the series, and we've been talking about really practical things. We've been talking about doubt, because if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, uh, it, sometimes you don't think that you, you're a good follower if you have doubts. That's a normal part of being a follower of Jesus Christ. Last week, Mark, Pastor Mark talked about fear, and we said fear is something that you know, God has given us uh, fear, and it's, there, there can be some good things about it, and he kind of broke down that whole idea of what is fear, what is good fear, what is bad fear, and then uh, this, this weekend, we want to talk about this whole idea of anxiety, and sometimes we use the word anxiety and worry, and we kind of use them almost as the same thing, and I think there's a, a, a difference between them, so I want to just take a few minutes and just just kind of talk about the difference between anxiety and worry. Uh, we're going to be in Philippians, uh, the book of Philippians chapter 4. So if you want to turn there, you can. But we're going to talk just a little bit about what do we mean when we talk about anxiety? And what do we mean when we talk about worry? And sometimes we use them interchangeably. Worry is generally something that's really worse. It's specific, right? Um, I, I'm afraid I'm going to lose my job. Uh, I'm afraid, you know, something specific is going to happen. Anxiety is really mo a more generalized thing. You really can't put your finger on what it is, but there's this, this feeling of uh, concern, and um, it's kind of very generalized. Uh, somebody said, you know, it's like trying to nail jello to the wall. It's kind of hard to do. Um, secondly, worry is often grounded in reality. There's a specific thing that I can touch. I know what it is. I know where it is. I know what it is. Um, and anxiety is kind of in, in imaginary. It's, it's a scenario that may probably will never come true. It'll never happen, but we can think it up. We can dream it up, and we let our mind kind of go wild, right, with ideas. Now, one of the things I've, uh, I've really understood is in my own self, and maybe you have too, is that anxiety is one of those things where we overblow things. We think about them as being bigger than they are, but we often underestimate our ability to respond to situations and circumstances. So we make the problems bigger. We make our ability to solve them smaller, which creates issues. And then the third thing is, that worry is often uh, short-term. Once you solve the problem, oh, I'm not going to get fired, I'm going to get a raise. Well, I'm not worried anymore, right? But anxiety is kind of harder to kind of fix. It, it kind of is like there's always something in the hopper for anxiety, right? I just want to say this as we get started, because no matter who you are, whether you're a follower of Jesus Christ or you're not, we all struggle with anxiety. Everybody does. Uh, you know, at some level, we're all kind of concerned about things and we're anxious about things. Uh, the Bible has a lot to say about it. The Bible says to not to be worried. The Bible says to not to be anxious about anything. We're going to read that passage in a minute. And so anxiety is something that we all struggle with. So if you're here or if you're joining us online and you feel like, well, I feel like I've been anxious and I feel like I'm not a good Christian or I'm not, I'm struggling as a person, there's something wrong with me. There's nothing wrong with you. That is a perfectly normal human uh, response to what's going on in your life or maybe in the world. Now, what we have to talk about is how do we deal with it? How can we move through it? And that's kind of where we want to go this morning. We want to talk about some practical steps we can take uh, in dealing with anxiety. And I just want to say one other thing. 
for some of you, dealing with anxiety is not a big deal. For others of you, it is just, it's really, really hard. It's a daily, moment by moment, hour by hour struggle. And so each of us struggles at a different level with anxiety. So let me read the passage. It's, uh, if it's for, for found in Philippians chapter 4 and starting at verse uh, 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Do, do, let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. Now let me just stop there for a minute and make a couple observations. Number one, verse um, six is a verse that if I was going to, if you're struggling with anxiety, uh, that would be a verse that I would really, this whole passage would be a passage where I would put it on a, a card, uh, put it on your refrigerator, put it somewhere where you see it, memorize this verse. Why do I say that? Because there's a verse I memorized, and it's in the King James, and it says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. And that can have a positive thing, saying, when I hide my word, your word in my heart, when I memorize your word, it helps me, it helps the Spirit of God help me in my struggles. And so memorizing Scripture is a really important thing to do. Now, it may be that you have a whole bunch of these on your refrigerator and you need to move them to maybe the exercise room. That's a whole other discussion. But it's good to have those memorized. So this is a passage starting, the whole passage is good, but if you were going to start with one, start with verse 6. Um, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Now, this whole idea of guarding your heart and mind is really important. And I think this is true. I think I looked it up a number of years ago, and I think this is true. There's two times this word is used, at least two times. And one time it's used where um, they're putting a guard on the tomb of Jesus. Okay? And so the idea here is that, that we can guard our hearts, that, that God wants to guard our hearts. He wants us to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. And then he says in verse 8, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice. And then he says, And the peace of God will be with you. So how do we let the peace of God guard our hearts? How do we do that? Because that's what he's saying. He says, let the peace of God guard your hearts and minds. So how do we do that? There's a number of things that I can think of that I think will help us. Number one, don't follow your heart, lead it. Don't follow your heart, lead it. Um, we're often told in our culture, oh, follow your heart, be true to yourself. And, you know, that's not really good advice most of the time, right? Uh, because your heart really can't be trusted. Your heart is pretty emotional, and it's kind of up and down. It can be a roller coaster. Uh, you know, I think following your heart sometimes can be like following a six-year-old. It's not a good idea because they don't make generally good decisions, and your heart is the same. Your heart will cause... Some of you know you've listened to your heart, and you realize that was not a good idea, and it's like, yeah, it's like listening to your six-year-old and them telling you to do something really dumb, and you do it. And uh, anyway, 
Now, some of you have six-year-olds. You know exactly what I'm talking about. But uh, here's the thing. It's interesting because you don't, we often just allow our heart to tell us what we should do, how we should feel, what we should think, you know? And I'm using the word heart and mind kind of in generalized similar terms, all right? So don't, we're not going to pick those apart today. It's just talking about the direction of your life and what's encouraging you and, and what you're thinking about, what you're focusing on, and what you're anxious about. That's what we're talking about. And in the Scripture, we're told, don't just let your heart go off. Guard it. Talk back to it. Change its direction. Notice what Paul says at the last part of this passage we just read. Whatever is true, whatever is pure, what it, think on these things. In other words, you get to decide what you're going to think about. You get to decide what you're going to listen to. Uh, look at Psalm 42. This is a verse I came across a number of years ago, and I was reading, you know, we read through the Psalms. Uh, one of the things we do, uh, I do, is I like to read through the Old Testament and then, you know, go through Scripture. But then I like to read a Psalm um, because sometimes when you're in Leviticus, you just need something. You know, you just need something. It's like, oh, it'll be this tall and this wide and this, this color material. And you go, okay, I need something here. So if you're reading through a psalm many times, so one of those times I was reading through and uh, I came to this psalm and it was like, I kind of just noticed something. Um, Dave, it's a psalm of David. And notice what he says in verse 5. He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise Him, my Savior and my God. And I read that verse, and I, was, I stopped, and it kind of dawned on me. I said, who's he talking to? David's talking to himself. There's no one else. He's not talking to, you know, a neighbor. Or he, he's, talk, he's not talking to God. He's talking to himself. He's talking to his heart. And I thought about that, and I said, yeah, I think that's it. I think... You know, the idea is we kind of let our hearts just go off and we don't challenge them. We don't rein them in. We don't guard them. We, we don't talk back to them. And David realized his heart was misleading him, so he basically took over control of his heart. Here's the point. You can either listen to your heart or you can lead your heart. You get to choose. Let me say that one more time. You can either, either listen to your heart and follow it, or you can lead it, guard it, talk back to it. You get to choose. It's your choice. And my, my I'm throwing this out there, maybe it's not true with you, too often we are allowing our hearts to lead us rather than leading it. And I think that's a big part of where we get into trouble. All right. Now, here, the good news is you get to lead your heart. Now, the other thing I want to say in this topic about instead of listening to your heart, lead it, I want you to understand that this is a spiritual battle. Maybe you didn't realize that. Paul says in, in, in his letter to, in, letter to uh, the Ephesians, in Ephesians, in Ephesus, he says, in the last chapter, he says, we don't war against uh, our battles, our struggles aren't against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers and what he's saying there is there's a dimension a spiritual dimension to this life that you can't see you can't see it but it's there it's in every argument it's in every dispute 
It's that there's things going on that you can't see that are happening. And Paul basically says here, notice what he says in 2 Corinthians. It's very interesting. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4 and 5. The weapons we fight with are not weapons of this world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments in every pretense, pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what he's saying here is very interesting. He's saying we have the power to take our thoughts, our hearts, captive because there's an enemy out there that wants us to just follow our hearts. And this enemy is feeding our hearts with bad data. And we're believing lies. And we're allowing our hearts to go off. And we're getting anxious because of it. And we're going to talk more about that, but let's just uh, move on. Second thing we need to talk about is prepare your heart for rainy days. One of the most effective things that I found is that you've You lay the roots down in your heart when you are not in the middle of a storm. When you are anxious, when your life is just, you feel like it's falling apart, it's really hard to put roots down. It's really hard to focus. It's really hard to, it's hard to do that, right? And so this is the thing. You have to put the roots down before the storm comes. Look at what Jeremiah says. Jeremiah 17, 7. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends its roots out by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes. In other words, the roots are already there. They've taken years and years and years to grow. So that when there is no water, there is no rain, the roots have gone and they're, they're, they will never, they're in a year of drought, they will never, uh, it will never fail to bear fruit. So what, by the way, you can write down next to that Psalm 1, because the Psalm, psalmist says essentially the same thing. It says, the person will be blessed when they lay those roots down near streams of living water. In other words, don't wait until the middle of the storm to prepare for the storm. Okay? So uh, my, where I grew up, used to live, Buffalo, just got nailed with about four to five feet of snow. And where we used to live in the Adirondacks, we used to get storms like that on a kind of regular basis. Um, so, you know, when people in Iowa talk about getting a lot of snow, three to five inches, you kind of go, that's not really a lot of snow. Uh, when you were out in in Buffalo in that area, you didn't get a snowblower unless it was a two-stage snowblower. If you don't know what a two-stage snowblower is, ask somebody. Basically, you needed a pretty powerful snowblower because you would get two to three or four feet of snow, and that wasn't odd. It it happens, okay? So this is not people in Buffalo aren't going, what are you going to do? You know, they're, they kind of, now here's my point. They knew the storm was coming, over Erie, so to come off of that, what happens is the, the the storm will come across Erie, Lake Erie, or Lake Ontario, and the east side, that's Jamestown up to Buffalo, and then on the east side of, of Lake Ontario, they absolutely get 
destroyed, especially this time of the year because the water in Lake Erie is warmer. It's 40, 45 degrees. And the cold air pulls all that moisture and just dumps it. Now, they knew this was going to hit. If, if, if it was me living in that area, I wouldn't wait until today to figure out whether my snowblower was working. I would have been out there a couple of days ago, and I would have said, is this running? Where do I need to have it? Do I have shovels out? Am I ready to go? I, you know, we, you prepare for this storm. When they're in Florida and they know a, a hurricane is coming, they don't wait until the middle of the storm to put up plywood. It doesn't work. That's my point. So what I'm challenging you to do is to lay roots down now. Being grounded in the solid theology about God and who He is and the Scriptures will calm you when these storms come, and they will. Building uh, on the truth of Scripture will help you tremendously as you navigate the lies of the enemy. How do we demolish the strongholds, take every thought captive, make it obedient to Christ? How do we do that? We lay roots down when there isn't a storm. Here's the point I want you to see. What does it mean to lay those roots down? It means you remind yourself that God is good, that God always has a plan, that nothing catches God off guard, that He absolutely loves you and cares for you. That he hasn't forgotten you. That he's always been there for you, even in the dark valleys. That God has given you his very son, and Jesus has given his very life. And if God is so invested in you with all those things, do you think he would leave you now? Those are how you lay the roots deeply. So that when you struggle with the things of going on in this world or going on at work or in relationships or your health, you basically say, but God is there and he cares and he's got a plan. Let me ask you a question. What are you doing daily to lay those roots down? Can I give you a plan? Maybe you've never done this before. Maybe you have. Would you, I challenge you this year to read through the scriptures. We're going to have a plan. You can do it with the U version. We're going to have a printout. If you want to do the old version, just fold a piece of paper and put it in your Bible. But just every day, just take the word of God. And here's what I found, that when I do that, during that day or in the days to come, a passage that I've read, the spirit of God will bring it to my mind, remind me of who God is, that he has a plan, that he cares that I'm not alone. And all those things bring me back down and give, give me to look up and see God. We all need that. So I want to challenge you to pray about doing it this year, walking with God through his word this year. Uh, here's the third thing you can do. Specific prayer can change your heart. Now, when we see the storms coming, we need to pray, but we need to pray specifically. We need to offload our burdens through prayer. That's how we do it, through prayer. You name them specifically. You don't, be, you don't generalize. What are you worried about? What are you anxious about? What is it that you're struggling with? Let me ask you to do something right now, whether you're in-house right now or joining online. 
I want you to think about in your mind, what is it right now that is making you anxious? Is it your health? Is it your kids? Is it this world we live in and the uncertainty of the world? What is it that's making you anxious? Name it. Think about it specifically. And then what you do is you offload it to God. You say, God, I'm not in control of this world. I'm not in control of this situation. I'm not in control of this. But you are. You have a plan and you have a purpose. Apparently, I've tried to take that over from you. I give it back to you. Now, the other thing is, and this is really important, what I found many times is I carry around burdens that I was never meant to carry. And they jump right on my back. <laughs> Next thing I, I mean, why am I carrying that? I thought I got rid of that last week. No, it's back up there again. I'm worried about it. I'm nervous about it. I'm anxious. Whatever word you want to use. Here's the other thing he says. It's very interesting. And th this is really important. He, Paul, notice what Paul says in our passage that we read in Philippians. He says, pray with thanksgiving. Pray with thanksgiving. Why do, we, wh why do we pray with thanksgiving? What is thanksgiving? Thanksgiving is where we rehearse the goodness of God in our lives in the past. We remember his mercies. We remember his grace. We remember that God has always been there. That God has never left us. That God has a plan. It may be different than what we thought, but he had a plan, and he brought us through, and he was faithful, and he hasn't given up on us. And, and, and Thanksgiving reminds us that. And I found that re rehearsing God's goodness and his mercy will change the direction of my heart. It will get, get control back. And instead of me following my heart, I'm leading it again. And I'm telling my heart to stop worrying because I've got a God who cares about me. Maybe you need to say that to your heart. Maybe Thanksgiving. Now let me give you just a, a thing that we do for Thanksgiving and you can take it or leave it. Now, I don't think the only time you should do this is Thanksgiving. Give Thanksgiving is at Thanksgiving, but it's a good time to do it. We sit around and the first thing we do before we eat is we have uh, two pieces of, usually a couple pieces of candy corn, and we start. Somebody starts and they say, I'm thankful for this. Next person goes, I'm thankful for this. We go around, we do it twice. And everybody thanks God for something. Usually two things. And, and that's a good tradition as a family to do. And it reminds us that we should be thankful. Because that offloads many things that we shouldn't be carrying in the first place. Um... Here's number four. Refocus your heart to eternity. Look at what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19. He says, Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and uh, vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moth and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be. So Jesus is calling us to change our focus from earth to heaven. Now, 
Most of the things that you're worried about, you have no control over anyway. But you do worry about them. You're anxious about them, right? Um, I want to dig a little bit deeper here for a moment. And, and I want you to think this through for a minute. Most of the things that you're worried about, that you're anxious about, they're idols. Now, what do I mean by that? An idol is usually something good that we make something God. In other words, it's something that we, we find uh, security in it, we find satisfaction in it, we find significance in it. It could be our job. It could be uh, a relationship. It could be our family. It could be our health. It could, it could be a multitude of things, right? It could be success. And, and, and what we do is God has given us all those things, and we should enjoy them. But here's what happens. We make these good things God things. We make them not just things that are good in my life, but they're, they're necessary. They're, they're, they, they, if I don't have them, my whole life is going to fall apart. So immediately, and here's the test, when, when your idol is challenged, here's what will happen. Your life will begin to crumble. You'll go, what am I going to do? I don't know how I'm going to handle this. And your anxiety is going to go through the roof. And all that means is that this good thing that God has given you, you made it a God thing. Now, let me give you just a real practical example. Let's just say that you try to watch your health. You've done it your whole life. You've tried to take care of your health your whole life. You've, you've uh, watched what you've eat, you, you eat, you, you exercise, you, you, uh, you, you're moderate on things. Uh, you, you've tr really tried to take care of yourself. But all of a sudden, you go into the doctor, and the doctor says, We've, uh, you know, I think I found something. We need to go, and we need to talk about it. We need to look at it. Now, you've been really diligent in this area, and all of a sudden now you find that uh, there's something that I don't have control over, and it could affect my future. And now all of a sudden now I'm very anxious about it, I'm, and to the point where I'm focusing on it, I'm fixated on it, my whole life is driven by it. And, and now what I've, what's happening here is an idol now has been, been revealed. And, and Jesus says... You can focus here on the earth or you can focus on the things of heaven. And um, the test is when your idol is threatened, you'll feel like your whole world is falling apart because you put too much weight on it. You've asked something or someone to be God and they can't. One of the things that I, I, I think Jesus is saying in this passage where he says, set your your, your mind, your heart on heaven rather than here on earth is, um, you know, uh, if you, have you ever, you've probably done this, where you've watched a movie and you know the outcome. And uh, somebody else you're watching with, it's the first time they've seen it, right? And uh, you, you get to the plate, you get to these different places and you know they're coming, right? Because you've seen it. And you go, oh, this is going to get really bad for them, you know. And then the other person sitting there going, no, you know, it's like, oh, that's awful, you know. And you're just laughing. You, you know, and, then, and then they get better. Oh, okay, it's getting better. No, it's going to get worse for, you know, thing, bad thing. What do you mean? Oh, you know, and it's like a roller coaster for them. But you're sitting there, you're going, yeah, I know how this is going to end. Here's a happy ending. At the end, there's a happy ending. 
Do you know what the Bible is? Do you know what the book of Revelation is? It's a happy ending. Why does Jesus say, you know, don't fix your mind and your heart on things of this earth. Fix your mind on things of heaven. Why? Because that's where the happy ending takes place. It's not here and now. Jesus says here and now you're going to have tribulation. You're going to have elections. You're going to have people. You're going to have, you know, war. You're going to have, you know, threats. You're going to have lawlessness. You're going to have all this stuff going on, right? You're going to have relationships that don't work out. You're going to have people that disappoint you. You're going to have health issues. You're going to have all that. You're going to, in the world, you'll have tribulation. But you have a happy ending. Perspective is, is pretty important, you know. Let me ask you, do you believe in the eternal promises of God? Here's one last thing. Let's talk about this. Set your heart on his kingdom. Set your heart on his kingdom. Uh, jump over to Matthew 6 for a minute. I'm going to jump, jump down through this rather quickly uh, just so we can uh, spend our time uh, wisely. You can go back and look at it. Uh, in verse 25, Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or uh, your body about what you shall wear is not life more than food and the body more than clothes. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field, go, the field grow. They do not labor or spin, so do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Notice, and you should have this underlined if you have a, a, whatever version you have, your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. This is for me, and if it applies to you, you can apply it. It may not. And uh, I'm going to be real uh, gentle here. I have found in my own life that when I am the most anxious, it's because my life is focused on me and my problems. The converse is also true, that when I focus on other people's lives and God's kingdom, I focus less on my problems and I don't think about them and dwell on them. And one of the ways I've found to change the direction of my heart is to focus on others and him and his kingdom. Okay, I'm going to give you a really stupid illustration. It's not good. And I'm not looking to say it so that you can come up and tell me how I can fix it. So a few weeks ago, I had this annoying issue with my neck. It was bothering me, and it was, you know, it was just dry. It, was, it wasn't super painful, but it was just bugging me. And it was like, when I'm sitting down, it's cracking. It's like, it's like there's little BBs in there. It, okay, so enough, right? So um, it's bothering me one day, and then I had to go do something. I was... I even forget what I was doing, but I was doing something for someone else, okay? And I came back, and it was like five hours later, and I was busy doing something else. And I came back, and I sat down, and guess what happened? My neck started to hurt. But guess what didn't happen those five hours? I don't remember my neck hurting at all. Now, again, I'm not going to say to you that if you have a really bad knee or a bad back, that you just need to get involved and help people out and you'll forget all. No, that's not what I'm saying. I am saying, though, that it's likely that some of you are sitting around focusing on your life and your struggles, and maybe, I'm just suggesting, that if you 
looked at the needs of others and started helping out others, you might find that you've forgotten about what your issues were for at least a little while. I challenge you to try it. One of the things that I, that's helped me, there, and I'll talk about it in a minute, but uh, the point is, when you seek his kingdom, he'll give you everything you need. Not everything you want, but everything you need. He'll always be with you, and he knows you need what you need, <laughs> right? He knows it, right? Like a good parent. Your kids say, I need this. Well, no, you don't need it. You want it, but I'll give you what you need, right? That's what your parents did, and they were pretty smart because they knew there was a whole bunch of things you didn't need that you were desperately sure you did need them, right? That's kind of how we are with God sometimes. Now, I want to close with some real, real super practical steps to help you because I want you to understand this is not just a spiritual struggle that we all have. There's a physical, physiological component to all of this, all right? So um, I want to ask you, because part of the battle is not just dealing with the anxiety that we feel. Part of it is, is you know, if we're going to manage our heart, one way to manage our heart is to tell our heart to knock it off and to redirect our hearts, right? We've talked about that. But another part is to prevent bad stuff getting into our heart. So three things. Number one, what are you watching? What are you watching? Are you watching TV programs that agitate you? And maybe I'm talking about the news, You know, you could sit down and be in the best mood in the world and watch the news for 15 minutes, and you just want to kick your dog <laughs> or your cat, okay? Let's be an equal opportunity offender. No, I would never do that, but you, you get my point. And, and I, what are you watching? What stations are you watching? What online sites are you going to? What blogs are you reading? What are you, what are you what's the feed that you're, you know, everybody... When you go to an airport, watch the next time. Everybody's looking at their phone. I don't really have an opinion about that. If they want to, they can. That's their choice. But I'm wondering what they're looking at. Are they smiling? Are they laughing? Are they being encouraged? Are they being challenged in a positive way? Or it's like the more I look at it, the more depressed I get, the more anxious I get. Well, okay, so we're going to have to figure that out, aren't we? And then number three, your friends. Are, are you around people that just drag you down? By the way, are you the one that drags everyone else down? You know, are they flee from you when they see you? You know, <laughs> that's a question you might want to ask yourself. But do you have people who are encouraging that you spend time with them? You go, man, I feel better. I just had lunch with you and I feel tons better. Do you have support people around you like that? And then uh, secondly, are you caring? And this is where I'm going to be, like, this is the disclaimer, because I used to, when I was a young pastor, I said, everything is a spiritual problem. Well, it's not always. It's a combination. There's a spiritual dimension, obviously, to what's going on with anxiety, but there also can be a physical component to that. Uh, I, so are you getting your physical needs met? Are you taking care of yourself physically? Like, are you eating okay? Are you getting enough rest? Are you getting exercise? 
Are you taking care of yourself physically? Are you, uh, are you seeing a doctor if you need to see a doctor? Are you seeing a counselor if you need to see a counselor? Are you taking medication if you need to take medication? Don't feel guilty about this. If that's what you need to level off your life so you can lay roots down, then all, by all me, means do it. Do it. Do you have a support network that you can lean on? People that, that know you and can speak into your life and help you out. Oh, so, so, so are you getting your physical needs? And then number three, what are your expectations? i got to be honest with you. Sometimes our anxiety comes because our expectations are unrealistic. Can I give you the classic example? The Apostle Paul, he asked God three times. He had this thorn in the flesh, don't know what it was. He prayed three times. You say, well, he's a pretty strong guy, man of faith. We looked at some of the passages he wrote this morning. He prayed three times, God, take it away. And God said, no, my grace is sufficient. You know what happened in that go around three times? Finally, Paul says, if I am weak, then I am strong. If that's the way you want it, I will lower my expectations because I'm really raising them to you. And it may be that you're carrying around unrealistic expectations that you need to bring in line with God's because you're you're setting yourself up for failure. Paul finally got it. God says, this isn't going to change, Paul. Change your expectations. This is something you're going to live with. Deal with it. But you won't deal with it alone. I will be with you. So hopefully there's something from what we've talked about, some of the passages, that God has perked in your heart. Did you realize I don't have to be a slave to my heart? I can tell it what to do. I need to lay roots down, and I need to lay them down now. I need to prepare for the storm. You know, there's a whole bunch of things you can do, but what are you going to do? What is it that the Spirit of God is saying to you, I need to do this today, tomorrow, and this week? You take those steps, and I guarantee you the next time you get thrown around by this world, and you will, and the people are in it, you won't be as anxious as you were, and you'll be able to to navigate a course through it. we all struggle with it, but we have, we have tools. We just need to understand what they are and deploy them. And if we do that, I think we can get a handle on this and really not just, like I said, we, it's not about surviving, it's about thriving. We can thrive in us. So stand with me, let me pray with you as we close. Father, thank you for bringing us together and thank you for your word and thank you for the help that we get from your word. Um, Father, there's 101 things to be anxious about, but we thank you that uh, you've given us a, a way to a chart a path through that, and the, the, the chart begins with you. Having a perspective on your kingdom and your righteousness, understanding who you are, uh, laying deep roots down, and understanding that, uh, that you have a plan and a purpose for our lives, and we can trust you taking things uh, off of our shoulders that we shouldn't be carrying and uh, just trusting that you have a plan. Father, help each and every one of us individually to take whatever our next step is so that we can um, manage this area of our lives that so many of us struggle with. 
and help us to get a handle on our heart. Maybe that's the step every one of us needs to take today, either by controlling the input or by stopping it when our heart begins to go off today or tomorrow or this week. Remind us, Father, that this is a spiritual battle and it'll, it'll be won as we pray, as we get on our knees, as we give thanks and remember that you are good and you have a plan. You haven't forgotten us. We need all of these things, Father. So remind us this week of what we've heard. We ask in Jesus' name, amen.